0: Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore.
2: I'm mad as
3: hell! I'm not gonna take it anymore! I'm, I'm not
4: gonna I'm not gonna take it gonna anymore!
1: Take it anymore. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serring from Zuma Radio, AM 740.
5: And away we go. Welcome to the program. Sunday, April the 3rd, 2011. And that was uh, our new theme song. That is our new theme song. a uh, Courtesy of Jeff Eden, who is a, uh, a very talented uh, composer. And he runs a, a studio, I believe in the west end of Toronto. It's called Studio 8. And uh, Jeff contacted the program and said, Hey, I would like to write and compose a new, uh, an original theme song for your show. And I said, hey, I'm all ears. Lay something on me, babe, as they say, in my worst Sammy Davis impression. Uh, And so he did, and that's it. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, You know, I suddenly realized I have been using the same theme song, which is, of course, The Immortal Everybody Knows by uh, Leonard Cohen. And uh, the second hour theme has been for the last 10 years, practically, uh, George Harrison's Brainwashed, and I decided the show needed a new coat of paint. I'm going to keep those old theme songs. They'll be uh, appearing elsewhere in the program, Uh, but this song that you just heard, uh, which has that sort of, uh, it's kind of a Chris Isaac vibe, you know, that twangy guitar, which I love, and uh, that's our first hour theme for the foreseeable future, and uh, Jeff also composed a second-hour theme, which you'll hear, coincidentally, in the second hour. So, hope you like it. Jeff Eden, well done. Thank you. Studio 8. Uh, I have spent the last hour in the boardroom, which is just down the hall from my little uh, broom closet of a studio here, and I say broom closet affectionately. I love it. It feels safe. It's confined. It's cozy. Um, but I was in the boardroom with Joanne Krobot, who is a master coordinate remote viewer. I just got a crash course in how to, wait for it, transcend space and time. Not a bad way to spend an hour, right? Uh, at midnight, she'll come in here, and I'm going to utilize my newfound remote viewing skills. She She's going to actually give me coordinates, and I'm going to determine the uh, the location, the identity, what have you, of a hidden target. It'll be placed in a sealed envelope, not unlike that uh, great uh, bit they used to do on uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Carnac the Magnificent, where Ed McMahon would place the answer, or the question, actually, in a sealed envelope in a mason jar on Funkin' Wagnall's back porch. Do you remember that? (laughs) Anyway, we'll we'll do sort of a variation of that. Uh, I'm going to be a remote viewer live on the air at midnight. That'll be fun and interesting. And if any of you have been familiar with remote viewing, perhaps you've taken a remote viewing course with the great David Morehouse, or perhaps here in town with uh, Joanne Crobot from Knowledge Works Global, Uh, you can sort of play along at home, as they say, and she'll give you the coordinates, and and you'll be familiar with this, you'll know the drill, and and, uh, and perhaps you can identify the hidden target as well. First off, however, I received the most impressive tome in the mail. Mind you, it took a while uh, to get here, and I understand why now. Uh, this thing is—you know—I get a lot of paperbacks, a lot of self-published uh, authors' it's paperbacks. It's—it's—you uh, know—a lot more inexpensive. This is a hardcover. Uh, this is a. This looks like a textbook right out of university, and it reads like one too. Let me tell you, it's called "Where Did the Towers Go: Evidence of Directed Free Energy Technology on 9/11." You're scratching your head saying, what? What are you talking about? Free energy technology? Directed free energy technology? What, Freytel? does that have to do with 9-11? Well, you are about to find out. Dr. Judy Wood is uh, my guest. She's a former professor of mechanical engineering with research interests in experimental stress analysis, structural mechanics, optical methods, a deformation analysis, and the materials Characterization of Biomaterials and Composite Materials. She's a member of the Society for Experimental Mechanics, co-founded SEM's Biological Systems and Materials Division, and has served on the SEM Composite Materials Technical Division. And as I mentioned, she is the author of the aforementioned Where Did the Towers Go? The Evidence of Directed Free Energy Technology. On 9/11 Dr. Judy Wood, welcome to the conspiracy show.
3: Well, thank you very much.
5: And uh, congratulations. I mentioned that Thanks. this this you and I know the backstory, but this this took a while uh, to get to my office, and uh, I'm guessing that uh, it had something to do with the content. It's, it's pretty controversial. I'm guessing that you've had similar experiences sending this book uh, elsewhere.
3: Uh, yeah, this book has had uh, a pretty tough journey. Uh, I had a publisher who wouldn't publish it for two years, but fortunately let me uh, buy out the contract and publish it on my own. And uh, then when I had the the printed book shipped, uh, we had it shipped to several places around the country for safety, and the, the one shipment that was flagged by Homeland Security was the shipment that was to come to me. And uh, I took some of my shipment and sent it to uh, the UK, to Andrew Johnson, and it got flagged there, too, for x ray So those books should be glowing by now.
5: Well, it's, uh, it's, it arrived, and I'm delighted to have you with me. And uh, let, me, let me just dive right in here. What, do you, what is meant by a directed free energy technology? Uh,
3: free energy means it can produce energy. Uh, more than what is there to begin with, that we think of from conventional means. Directed, uh, it means it's uh, you know, not random. It's, it's organized, it, you know, however the energy field is organized to do what it does.
5: <clears throat> Are we talking about uh, something perhaps uh, akin to a particle beam weapon?
3: Uh, not exactly. That, that's usually thought of as something you're you know, aim and shoot. This is something else. This is more similar to the Hutchison effect. Now, it can't be the Hutchison effect because John Hutchison would never use it for a weapon. It's directed energy, but he wouldn't use it for a weapon. So, that, you know, but it's the same physics involved.
5: All right, those and, familiar with this program will be familiar with John Hutchison. Those who are not, uh, uh, John uh, has been on the program many times, up until recently, had a, a laboratory basically set up in his apartment out in uh, in, in near in in uh, Vancouver, uh, replete with you know Tesla coils and uh, and he stumbled onto this Hutchison effect in the early nineteen eighties. Essentially, flipped a switch, created some sort of a field which had all sorts of strange effects. It could turn a a a, um, a solid piece of metal into jelly. It could. Uh, um, there was sort of an anti-gravitic effect. Heavy objects would suddenly rise into the air. All these sorts of things. So it's, it's there's some relationship between this directed free energy uh, and the Hutchison effect. Uh, but th- I mean, the premise of the book is that this technology, in, in in effect, was used to bring down, or as you you like to say, disappear the twin towers. Is that right?
3: Yes. It, it, it destroyed the towers. Uh, Justify them. You know, a new technology needs a new name to describe it. A new phenomenon needs new names to describe it.
5: Dustify them.
3: Yeah, it turned into dust. So, dustification seems like a you know pretty good uh, term.
5: Now, the uh, again, I come back to the, the how impressive this book is. I mean, this uh, this book must have been very expensive to produce. I mean, the the, the color uh, picture is glossy. A glossy finish on the pages uh, this is i mean you've poured your your life and i'm guessing quite a bit of your 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 own your your savings into this work what what are you hoping to uh i mean is this your legacy uh judy Why why would you well,
3: this is information that is needed and as i said that you know in the 2000 presidential selection it was just determined by the Supreme Court, you know, it whipped belly up. But they said, well, we'll fix it for next time. In the 2004 presidential selection, the same thing happened. And I realized that grown-ups aren't going to fix this, nor are they going to fix 9-11. Whose responsibility is it to fix it? And I decided it was, you know, mine. It's each one of our responsibilities to, to determine our future, what, what goes on in this world. If you see something going bad off or wrong, do you just sit by and say it's somebody else's
5: job to fix it? I want to go make money. When and we come back, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we'll, we'll uh, get you to walk us through some of the evidence, which is documented in, in minute detail uh, in the book. Where did the towers go? Evidence of directed free energy technology on 9-11. Dr. Judy Wood, former professor of mechanical engineering... What she's saying is, forget the idea of a plane hitting the buildings on 9-11 and the ensuing fire damage, the collision damage causing the towers to collapse. She's saying even forget the idea, which has been obviously given a great deal of attention, forget the idea of controlled demolition, that explosives were placed inside the building. She's coming at this with an entirely new theory, well-documented With incredible evidence, and that is that a directed free energy weapon was used to dustify the Twin Towers, to disappear the Twin Towers. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett.
1: The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Just a reminder, the website for the new
5: Conspiracy Show television program, airing Friday nights. Well, we should say, we just uh, we finished uh, airing, or Vision finished airing the first 13 episodes On Vision TV, Friday nights at 11 p.m. But the new website is uh, online, and I I hope you'll visit it. Check it out. It's a work in progress, and that is theconspiracyshow.com. Right now, Dr. Judy Wood is uh, with me, and we're talking about a directed free energy weapon she maintains after careful consideration and research. Uh, She is, after all, a former professor of mechanical engineering, and uh, she... uh, has documented it in an incredibly detailed book. Where Did the Towers Go?
3: Uh, I I would like to make a correction. What is presented in this book is not a theory, and it is not speculation. It is evidence. It's a body of empirical evidence that must be explained in order to determine what happened. And once you review all of the evidence, it becomes very clear what happened it's easy to conclude. So it's not a theory or it's not, you know, any kind of, you know, guesswork.
5: No, I certainly wasn't suggesting it was guesswork. Yeah, work.
3: It's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a frequent um, mistake that a lot of people make. So it's, it's, they don't realize it when they make it.
5: All right, fair it's enough. Just,
3: just like a directed energy weapons, they think of laser beams from space, and I've never uh, considered that. It, the evidence contradicts laser beams from space.
5: Okay, although, there is, uh, do you not um, suggest that this type of technology, this directed free energy technology, may have uh, come out of the uh, Strategic Defense Initiative back in the 80s under President Reagan, the Star Wars program?
3: Yes, they, they studied energy weapons, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's in space or in orbit or anything else. Fair enough. It's a totally new category of weaponry that we normally don't think of. And we don't have, you know, I don't, I specifically don't put a name to it because it, 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 no matter whose technology it is, we know that it's classified technology. And classified technology, by definition, is not in the public domain. So we would not know the name of it. And I've often heard people refer to terms like or scalar weapons, Trojan physics, Nazi bill, hyperdimensional physics, it various catch-all terms that they use just to explain away something without really explaining the evidence. All right. And, well, it, you know, the full capabilities of whatever was used, we would not know in the public domain. So naming it is, is sort of like pulling a veil of mystery over it, just sort of like explain away its ultimate boogeyman, rather than if you look at what it does, and that's the important thing, what it can do.
5: All right, let me uh, direct people also uh, to your website, which is drjudywood.com, and that's uh, the short form for doctor, of course, D-R-Judy, J-U-D-Y, Wood, W-O-O-D, drjudywood.com. And uh, there you outline some of the principal evidence that must be explained. And let me just uh, throw some of these out at uh, at you, uh, Dr. Wood, and you could explain what is meant by them and how the directed free-energy weapon might explain them. Uh, the one that, that jumps out to me immediately is that the towers underwent mid-air pulverization and were turned to dust before they hit the ground. How would, how would a directed-energy weapon have uh, explained that?
3: If you look at the... You know, I've, I've been to visit John Hutchison and... Um, on more than one occasion, and I've witnessed his gizmo, whatever you want to call it, uh, causing things to turn to dust, sometimes it causes them to turn to, to jelly, as you pointed out. It causes them to sometimes levitate or sometimes just fume into it, into fumes, you know, into, into dust in the midair. Uh, all of these characteristics are seen at the World Trade Center. And if you look at some of these, what I call them wheat checks, you know, the outer... Um, prefab units of three columns tall by, uh, I mean, three columns wide by three, three stories tall. You see these things flying through the air, and they melt like ice cream before they hit the ground. They turn into dust. They dissolve away. It, that needs explaining. It's not hitting anything but air. My, air does not cause steel to turn into dust.
5: Okay. My my um, my one retort on that would be from what I understand now, which I may not have understood prior to talking to you before, was that uh, aside from the the floors, there was very little concrete in the building. Uh, There was a a great deal of drywall which would uh, you know, allow them to build the structure so high, it also might account for why it collapsed in the way it did. Is it possible that the, the, uh, the, uh, the pulverization that you're talking about and the incredible amounts of dust and so forth, that could be explained by the fact that much of the building was simply constructed of drywall?
3: Uh, that I, it, what, what is seen in the evidence is not explained by that because if you have just a piece of steel wheat checks, just steel, no drywall, Steel flying through the air, heading down towards this particular intersection. It never reaches the intersection because it's turned to dust before it gets there.
5: The steel is turning to dust. The steel. All right. Well, that's a different matter. All right. Um, The other... uh, It's like
3: an alka seltzer tablet just effervescing and and frothing up.
5: Okay. That uh, is intriguing. Now, the other uh, thing I want to throw at you is the seismic impact was minimal, far too small based on a comparison with the, the Kingdome-controlled demolition, the Kingdome that was brought down in Seattle. Uh, okay, so you're saying the seismic impact was minimal, far too small based on a comparison with the Kingdome-controlled demolition. Explain what you mean by that and how that could be explained by, again, directed free energy. Uh,
3: p- precisely. That, that is a, one of the most important things. The bathtub was... Uh, the, the uh, towers were built actually in the Hudson River, and there's this dike kind of built around them, they called the bathtub or slurry wall, that held the Hudson River out. It was built down to the bedrock, which is 70 feet below the water table. And they were so worried about damage to the bathtub wall that when they took down the remnants of Building 6, they, they pulled it down with a the cable. They were afraid to, to use any kind of explosive because it would blow a hole and it, just, it would just devastate Manhattan. He'd flood all of the the underground, all of the the, um, subways, and everything else. So uh, protecting the bathtub wall is very important. And a couple of days after 9-11, they brought in earth-moving equipment, and that earth-moving equipment damaged the bathtub wall more than having two 500,000-ton buildings, quote, slam on it. Something's wrong here. Uh, and the mo- biggest smoking gun is indeed Building 7. The seismic signature for Building 7 was non-existent at in, in some of the seismic stations. It could not be picked out of background noise. And the ones that could pick it up, it, you can, if you use your imagination, you can kind of guess, but they couldn't even tell when the T wave arrived, the first wave. It made uh, the seismic signature equivalent, uh, the equivalent of a jackhammer. And these are this is 47 stories. Each story is the size of a football field. It should have been like raining dump trucks down. The video cameras around that picked up the audio sound didn't pick up this, this crashing sound. You could hear voices down the street. And it, the, the stuff didn't even uh, spill across the street. The post office, the sidewalk was still bare.
5: So in other words... It, when you when you have those uh, 210 story buildings collapsing to the ground at, at an almost freefall speed there should have been a very loud bang and there wasn't because you're saying those buildings essentially were pulverized from the top down
3: yeah the the the, uh, the towers you know building 7 uh, that was it looked like it was dissolving all afternoon you saw all this material fuming out of the
5: of oh, Just one face of it. I'm sorry. Did you, Let me just back up and make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say Building 7 was essentially dissolving all day?
3: All oh, afternoon, yes.
5: My word. All right. Dr. Judy and, Wood and, is and, uh, with uh, us.
3: That's the one that made essentially no seismic impact whatsoever.
5: All right. Listen, uh, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, I want you to address the toilets. The toilets. No toilets survived or even recognizable portions of one. Why does that matter? We'll find out. Dr. Judy Wood, where did the towers go? Get on board. Questions and comments, 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where did the
5: towers go? Evidence of directed free energy technology on 9/11 Dr. Judy Wood, uh, the author. You were a former professor of mechanical engineering. where Dr. Judy Wood?: At
3: Clemson University.
5: Clemson. all right. Uh, very quickly before we get back into the, uh, the evidence, uh, you had a uh, was it a graduate student that was working with you on this, uh, on this and that that individual was murdered? Is that correct?
3: Uh, yes.
5: Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Um, that student told me that 9 uh, 11 is about free energy. I was still back working on my billiard ball thing and trying to convince people it's of the official story There's something wrong with it, you know because look at look, the billiard you know the timing issue. And uh, he said,, no, this has to do with free energy. Nothing's more important than this." And he told me about his, his uncle, uh, the inventor, uh, yeah, right, okay, right. He was going to tell me more about when he got back from the spring break. Well, he didn't get back from the spring break, and uh, it was a year and a half later or so where I realized who his uncle was. His uncle worked with Eugene Malov, who was also murdered, working with uh, Free Energy.
5: Eugene Malov, yes, uh, uh, who um, was uh, writing about uh, cold fusion and, and how it had been re- that that experiment, in fact, had been repeated, uh, and he was also. Uh, right, he
3: resigned I, I, from MIT because MIT had falsified the data.
5: Okay. So he, this was Eugene Malov's nephew?
3: No, this is Eugene Malov's partner. Son. When okay. Eugene Malov resigned, he set up this uh, you know new energy research foundation. The yes. uh, guy who set it up with him. That's my student's uncle.
5: Ah, okay. And your student tried to tell you, even before you got into this, that this was all about free energy, what brought down the Twin Towers, uh and then he was going to tell you more but he was murdered do we know for a fact he was murdered
3: oh yeah yeah it it, it two bullets, uh, bullets to the forehead it, he was with three other people in front of security cameras and uh mercsmanship to hit him in the forehead twice with you know with feeding three witnesses
5: is that what I'm sorry, Judy. Is that what set you down this path? That once your student was murdered and you knew he was about to tell you something, you decided to pick up the, the, the pieces and run with it? Run no, I. Uh,
3: I well, I was at a tailspin. I lost my job, and then you know, various other things going on. Uh, I wanted to get into this, but other things. But first, I looked at the evidence, and as I started looking at the evidence, uh, you know, you see this building that turns to dust before your eyes what would kind to of do that something weird is going on with The energy and then uh, oh yeah i remember that's what michael said um and then a the whole lot of dumb it was just clicked together as to various statements others were saying that to cover it up
5: all right let's uh, get back into the evidence no you say no toilets survived or even recognizable portions of one well one would expect from an explosion uh, the collapse of uh, a 110-story building, that you wouldn't necessarily see any pieces of toilet. Uh, wh- why is that significant? No toilet survived.
3: Very little of anything survived. Uh, and various different materials were affected differently. Like paper survived, but that was about the only thing that did survive.
5: Paper survived. That is ironic, yes. Where are the uh, computers? Where are the filing cabinets? So you're saying that even... Um, in a collapse of the sort, even with uh, the the intense heat, supposedly, of porcelain.
3: Well, paper doesn't survive. (laughs) this. No, that's true.
5: But you're saying that uh, there should be some remnants of of porcelain lying around.
3: Okay, I'd like to read uh, a quote from one of the first responders. There was 14 of them that survived in the stairwell of Tower One. At the bottom, they didn't quite get out. And they, they said... This one fellow said, uh, I looked and said, guys, there used to be 106 floors above us, and now I'm seeing sunshine. There's nothing above us. That big building doesn't exist. These are the big office buildings in the world, and I didn't see one desk or one chair or one phone, nothing. Hmm. Okay. And, and another one described walking out onto an empty football field. There's another responder that described coming out of Tower One, he gone from Tower Two to Tower One. Meanwhile Tower Two disappeared and he came back out and thought so he came out the wrong direction because there's no building there. He said he got turned around.
5: All right. Evidence of molecular dissociation and transmutation as demonstrated by the near instant rusting of affected steel. Now Explain that to a layperson and many who are listening. Evidence of molecular disassociation or disassociation and transmutation. What does that mean?
3: Uh, Steel, structural steel, has various uh, extra components in it to enhance its physical properties. Also, it's to uh, resist environmental attack. Uh, It takes a long time for steel, like steel pipes, to, to really rust. But if you get your iron fry pan and scrub it clean, like with acetone, or you know, scrub it with detergent, and leave it soaking in the sink, it turns bright orange pretty quickly.
5: Yes, I've witnessed that recently when I do the dishes. So, uh, but it's why nice bright orange? Understood, so but do why? You
3: turn, how do you turn steel into iron? Tell me. Steel has all sorts of other little doodads added in traces of other elements that keep it from rusting so instantly. But if you uh, disconnect those molecules and you leave just the pure iron there, it's going to act like pure iron and rust instantly.
5: Intense heat wouldn't do that?
3: Where was the intense heat? There's a car that's rusted before they even get the fire put out on it and the seatbelts are not burned. The plastic molding around the door is not melted.
5: So, the, the, in other words, the steel beams were transmutated. We're talking about alchemy here, the, and, and that only some sort of a free or a directed free energy weapon could do that. Is that the idea?
3: But not only that can do it, but everything's consistent with that. Uh, you can just pick one piece of evidence and say that one piece of evidence proves, you know, whatever conclusion. It's all the conclusion adds up to that. you okay. just keep looking at what it does. The, the biggest uh you know, things that occurred to me is the dust that, that settled out yes. upwind of the north tower, it settled out of the air and you have clear blue sky. And then you notice the dust starts rising up and up. That means coarse dust landed and continued breaking down to fire and fighter dust, so it was so fine it was rising up. Lighter than air. Fine dust could not settle out of the air that fast.
5: Evidence of okay. Uh, let, oh, you. I, when I mentioned extreme heat, why you know perhaps that could could cause the the steel to oxidize. You said where what high heat? Because you also mentioned there was a lack of high heat. Witness reported. Witnesses reported that the initial dust cloud felt cooler than ambient temperatures, and there was no evidence of burned bodies. The dust you cloud see, was cooler than ambient temperatures.
3: You see people running down the street, remember the, the dust cloud would chase them? You know, yes. we saw a lot of those in the newspaper, and yeah. the dust cloud would mow them down and move on past and it would leave them covered with dust. They weren't left toasted
5: Is that what typically f- happens in a in a in a in a fire that the dust comes down it's hot it would burn uh, it would burn the skin well,
3: a building doesn't a steel building doesn't burn down
5: okay. So,
3: and, and you don't have this huge dust cloud chasing somebody down the street. Um, in a controlled demolition, you'd have a dust cloud chasing somebody down the street. But it probably wouldn't be high either because it'd be so, you know, uh, made into you know, specs.
5: But there were, I mean, there were fires inside the building, and, 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 but you're saying there were no burned bodies? Is that true? There were no burned bodies? No,
3: no burned bodies. The, the dust cloud did not leave burned bodies from the dust cloud rolling past. Oh, I see. Uh, the burned bodies, there's another interesting thing. their the coat might be, you know, not burned, but the body inside was described as crisped.
5: Yet the coat was not burned.
3: Yet the coat was not burned.
5: Meaning what? They were literally, like a microwave oven, they were burned from the inside out?
3: I'm not going to speculate on what okay. it was, but there's some, you know, energy, directed energy, in other words, not a... A kinetic energy weapon. Okay, but an energy, some kind of energy, whatever wavelength needed, and whatever interference of multiple wavelengths can do that.
5: Dr. Judy Wood is my guest and a former professor of mechanical engineering at Clemson University and the author of Where Did the Towers Go. Let's grab a quick call here, and uh, we have Craig in Alliston. Good evening, Craig. You're on the air.
6: Hello. Hi. A pleasure to talk with you, Dr. Judy. I'm not quite familiar with this technology. I've been studying it for a few years now. And there was a fellow on a radio program the other night who said he has footage of a beam being shot at the first reactor in Japan and, and turning it to dust on the one side. And you can see it in the CNN footage of when it explodes. Have you, are you familiar with that?
3: Like, no, and I don't want to really speculate on, on anything. There's a lot of... Uh,
6: well, he, you know, he has the actual footage from the newsreel I, and has slowed it down and taken it from their time footage. You know, like he hasn't uh, created this image. It's there, and you can see it. I think yeah. it's worth looking at, that's all.
3: I, I've researched the, the uh, WTC. That's what I'm familiar with.
6: Hmm. Well, this isn't in the, in the visual spectrum of our eye. He had to slow it down and reframe it in his video. To, to see this.
5: All right. And, and the
6: funny thing is they've taken the explosion part off of the newscast. Now, you, you can only view the burning stack coming off reactor one that's now going to complete meltdown.
5: In other words, he got a recording of the initial broadcast yes, from CNN? he
6: has it from the first day of the CNN broadcast. It was two, two days ago on a radio program you're probably familiar with. Right,
5: right. Okay. And
6: uh, I, I just wanted to uh, leave my number with her off the air if she wanted to contact me to get more information on, like regarding that uh, footage, because I wouldn't be surprised if you could get it off YouTube.
5: All right. Uh, well, we'll put you on hold, Craig. You can leave your number with Dan. Uh, yeah. I suppose Dr. Judy could just Google that as well, uh, if it's unavailable on, on YouTube. And,
6: and also I heard that those birds that got fried down in Utah or whatever, those blackbirds, yes. that they were cooked from the inside out.
5: Ah, that's interesting.
6: Okay, that the, the okay. Their, their lungs were fried from the inside out like they had breathed something in, or they were microwaved from the inside out, like there was no damage to their outside yeah. of their chest from yeah. impact.
3: When, when that event first happened, um, I also captured some interesting um, radar imaging and I, you know, concluded as much as I could with the evidence that I had seen.
5: Right. Craig, thank you very much for the call. I'll put you on hold and you can speak with my producer, Dan.
6: Yeah, that's great. And uh, great show, great program, and we need more people talking about it in the daytime hours, uh, I say. But, you know, as long as the word gets out, it gets out.
5: All right. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. Uh, okay, so, Dr. Judy, okay, we mentioned the lack of uh, high heat. Um, and the initial dust cloud felt like it was cooler than ambient temperature. And... You, uh, you mentioned, you know, all of these, there were no desks, no file cabinets, all of these things were, uh, were missing, yet there was office paper densely spread throughout lower Manhattan, unburned, often alongside cars that appeared to be
3: burning. Right. And there's, it gets even better than that, There's these, I uh, call them Cheetos, uh, pieces of material, it reminds me of the, the cheese puff Cheetos, Yes. A bright orange thing. I I use these kind of terms because it stands out from you know as abnormal. There's something weird. I can't tell you what it is, so I use this word as a placeholder. Uh, it, the Cheetos sitting. On, you know, looks like a piece of metal pipe or something glowing, sitting on a piece of paper that's not burning.
5: You have so, documented footage of that.
3: Yes, and and it's also in photographs that are in the book. I, I, I call them Cheetos. You know, those little orange squiggly things yes. sitting on the ground that are glowing.
5: And this would be a piece of debris, metal, uh, that's red hot, and yet it's sitting on a piece, of pi- a piece of paper. The paper is not burning.
3: Right. And that brings us to a very important point.
5: Hot yeah.
3: things glow, but not everything that glows is hot. For example, incandescent bulbs versus fluorescent light bulbs. Right. It's two different mechanisms that create the light.
5: Okay, so why is that significant?
3: If we have glowing things at, on 9-11, they aren't necessarily hot. It could. We normally see you know, orange glowing things and say, ah, equals heat. That's why I call it Cheetos. Like with Cheeto fires, this, you know, orange things, Cheeto-looking things right, on right. pieces of paper. Okay. It, but they can't be hot if, they, if the paper isn't burning.
5: You mentioned that for more than seven years, regions in the ground under where the main body of World Trade Center Tower 4 stood, or Building 4, have continued to fume. For more than seven years, regions in the ground under where the main body of WTC 4 stood have continued to fume. What do you mean by fume, and how did you learn this? Uh,
3: the fumed yeah, it doesn't smoke. You know, I don't know what it is. If you say smoke, people assume fire is the cause. Fumes is not really... It's a placeholder, again. I've got this whole vocabulary for scientific purposes. If you can't use a defined term for, for an unknown uh, phenomenon. Um, and so, you know, I was there myself and, and witnessed it. But this fuming began, as far as I've been able to see in all the pictures, began on 9-11. Uh, the main body of Building 4 went missing, almost completely. The north wing was there, but it was like it was sliced up, and you could just look in and see what was on somebody's desk. But the rest of it was just absolutely missing. And um, the, the ground continued fuming right where it had been. I've got photographs from right underneath that ground. And, and the mall, the place of the mall, and the, the parking garage under the mall, completely still intact. That was underneath that area. But that area continued fuming, and they'd bring in new dirt, dump it in, stir it around, take it back out, and uh, also bankers' trust across the street from there, driving across the street. They're still taking it down, I believe. They might be just finishing, because they had one story left about six months ago. And it's continued to degrade.
5: Uh, talk to me about these um, automobiles, number of automobiles were as far away as uh, fdr boulevard uh, i'm just trying to um, orientate myself now that would be the south uh, the it's southeast a, it's
3: about a half a mile
5: east yeah southeast part of the of manhattan uh, and so cars along Manha- um, fdr boulevard what happened to those uh,
3: There there's witnesses that, that saw spontaneous combustion of these vehicles how many? And,
5: How many vehicles?
3: Uh, well, there's a total of 1,400 vehicles that were still countable uh, that were all around southern Manhattan uh, that were, you know, carried off in the next few days. But there's a, there's a parking lot. I, I call it these toasty cars. Uh, I don't think burn because that implies heat or fire. But something happened to them. They're toast. They're history.
5: 1,400 and, of them?
3: Yes, 1,400.
5: And we're not talking about building or uh, automobiles that were parked uh, in and a ra- like right around the World Trade Center. Uh, we're talking about cars that were miles away.
3: Well, a half a mile away. Half a mile and away. Some like a quarter of a mile away. The, uh, I call it the Toasted Car Lot. There's this car lot that's separated by you know just a sea of paper in between where paper didn't burn, but nearly every car in this area uh went into spontaneous combustion.
5: But in some cases the upholstery and the seat belts weren't burned.
3: Correct. there's somewhere uh, the front end just totally toasted. And the back door and uh, the passenger side looks like it has a brand new wax job. It's nice and shiny, like nothing touched it. But the front door on the passenger side completely toasted, like it stopped right at that scene as though You know, the rubber gasket of insulation is inflated
5: somehow. All right, listen, we will Dan take us out? We'll take another time out when we come back. I want to uh, get Dr. Judy Wood to comment on a magnetometer reading in Alaska on the day of uh, 9-11, September 11th, 2001. What did that magnetometer read in Alaska? Why is that significant? We'll also talk about silly string. Silly string around the World Trade Center Towers on 9-11, and Hurricane Aaron, which on that day was located just off Long Island. Why did that go virtually unreported, and what happened to Hurricane Aaron? All that and more with Dr. Judy Wood, author of Where Did the Towers Go? Stay with us.
1: intact. Call now 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740 In the second
5: hour of the program in just uh, over 15 minutes time Master Remote Viewer Joanne Krobot will join me live in studio and uh, just before the show I was given a crash course in remote viewing Now, keep in mind, um, these uh, courses uh, can run weeks uh, or minimum, you know, a weekend, a very intense, uh, you know, weekend, 12 hours one day, six hours the next. Uh, I was given a one-hour crash course in the boardroom just prior to the show, and we're going to do an experiment after midnight to see if I can, using my new remote-viewing skills, identify a hidden target, and if some of you at home listening are familiar with remote viewing you'll also hear the coordinates given out over the air and perhaps uh, you can help identify the target as well right now dr judy wood stays with us where did the towers go evidence of directed free energy technology on 911 and uh, again we just finished talking about f- uh, approximately 1400 motor vehicles some as uh, uh, up to uh, half a mile away towed away toasted in very strange ways during the destruction of the Twin Towers. Now, uh, what, is a, what is a magnetometer uh, exactly, Dr. Judy?
3: Uh, magnetometer. It measures the Earth's magnetic field. and uh, This is different than the one that's in a satellite, the GEOS-10, or now I guess GEOS-13, maybe they take it from. Uh, it's, it's grounded in Alaska, six different locations all around Alaska that we're measuring that day. And they measure the Earth's magnetic field and the fluctuations in it.
5: And what, what are we to make of those fluctuations on that particular day?
3: They, they are curiously uh, coincidental with each of the events that happened that day. For example, 20 minutes before the North Tower got its hole, we won't say how that hole appeared, but 20 minutes before that, the values that had been of these six measurements had been fairly constant for you know, about four days, and then they started to go downward. And precisely within a few seconds of when the north tower got its hole, they abruptly started heading back up.
5: Now let me and, just uh, clarify here. When you say how it got its when it got its hole, ostensibly you're referring to the uh, the collision of the airliner with the building. Although you're not willing to. They
3: to... allege. You know, just really okay. need to discuss what, how that hole got there, but there's a hole that appeared in the north tower. Some people think an airplane made that hole, some people there's like other things made the hole. We won't need to, you know, discuss how it got the hole, but it got a hole.
5: Okay. So just prior yeah. to that, 20 minutes prior to that, there was some noticeable fluctuation in the Earth's magnetic field.
3: Uh, No, it just began. It began to trend downward. Okay. And the measurements... And it kept turning downward, downward, more and more until a precise moment when all six measurements started to trend upward. And that just happened to be when the North Tower got its hole.
5: All right. What about when the South Tower, quote, end quote, got its hole?
3: So it started heading up and up and up, and as soon as it, uh, the South Tower got its hole, when it started going horizontally again. It stopped going up.
5: And when the pent- or Sorry, when Building 7 collapsed?
3: Well, when, when Tower 2... Uh, went poof. It started going downhill. And when Building 1 went poof, it just dropped over a cliff. It just went wacky. You know, it really dropped to a huge amount down. And then was just all havoc all afternoon. And then Grazzi was coming back together just about the time that Building 7 went poof. And then back to, you know, normal. But after that, there was a... Uh, uh, solar storm, but what, the solar storm didn't occur until after that, so you can't really tell exactly what's happening after that. But there's no, there was no solar storm while this was going on.
5: But the, the, uh, the ensuing solar storm, could that not have affected the Earth's electromagnetic field even yeah. prior?
3: Not until a few days, you know, like the next day. The next day, it registered those measurements. And it's, and and the measurements had a different nature to them. They were more kind of random. They were they were you know, out of whack, but they they were random. They weren't all trending together.
5: All right, um, Colonel Tom Bearden. What does he have to say about your theory? Have you talked to him about it?
3: Uh, I'm theory to say it again. Um, evidence. Someone asked him in I guess it was early 2007, and uh, he. Uh, he, he uh, gave us an affirmative, but you could tell that he, he wasn't really free to say much more than that. It's, it's on his website.
5: All right. Uh, let's say hello to Mary Margaret in Guelph this evening. Mary Margaret, you're on the air. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Uh, let's say hello to oh. Mary Margaret. I need you to turn the radio off if you could, Mary. Thank you.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering why I heard it twice. You, you
4: turn know. the radio off if you could, Mary. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs>
5: All right, is it off? All right, fire away with your question, Mary.
2: Okay. Um, I've just been listening to your show about the last six months, and a lot of the things that you talk about and discuss, well, they're pretty heavy, and uh, it's a lot of things that people, if they weren't listening to your show, wouldn't have any knowledge of. And uh, sometimes, some of it's pretty scary now. We have you have Dr. Judy Wood on tonight, and then, of course, yourself. Um, uh, are you not at times uh, afraid for your well-being or scared for even your life with um, divulging all this information to the public? Like I worry about you.
1: All
5: right, Mary Margaret, good question. Dr. Judy Wood, your safety, is that an issue? Uh,
3: well, that's a very good point. Um at if, if first, it was more scary. Now, I have my website that I use for a filing cabinet. Um, I kind of learned this from John Hutchison. That, you know, dead people keep secrets, so you don't keep secrets. So I just spatted the stuff up there. It's not very well organized. But while I was working on the book, I had that stuff up there. Uh, if I kept it you know, totally a secret, that wouldn't be good. But as things evolved, I became the number one target for smearing smearing, distortion, um, weird, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. You mentioned my name on any forum, and, oh, she's totally discredited. She's an idiot. She's ugly. She's, you know, they never talk about the evidence. Or if they say that what Dr. Wood said, or whatever they want to call me. They don't call me Dr. Wood. They're not very respectful. Um, When they, they, you know, pretend to be discussing what I say, they distort it. They say, oh, rabies from space, and they're impossible. I didn't say they were possible. (laughs) I didn't say that's what did it. Um, they can't debunk what I present, so they they uh, make up a new story. They can debunk and say she's all discredited, but that that is what has kept me safe.
5: Yes, I was going to say that that in, in and I don't mean this in a very dis, in a disrespectful manner, um, Dr. Wood, but you have become um, the the straw man argument uh, for those who. Who cling to the official version? They'll say, "Oh, wait a minute, those conspiracy people—they're—they're they're crazy. Haven't you heard uh, Dr. Judy Wood speak about, uh, you know, laser beams destroying the buildings? Oh, come on, they're all crazy." So yes, in in a way, you are useful to them.
3: Actually, um, it's not so much the people who cling to the official story; it's it's the people who cling to thermite or whatever who say that I discredit, you know, the movement. Well, I'm not part of the movement, so you know. The official story just credits them, but it, they create so much noise, and all of this noise is a turnoff. So, till, till the person who's trying to find out what happened just throws their hands up and walks off. Um, the
5: yeah. the the authors of the official nine eleven report and the uh, uh, the other uh, official report. Uh, what is the connection between those authors and? D- uh directed free energy technology.
3: Uh the contractors for the NIST report. Uh the NIST report. NIST. Thank you. It, so, I had
5: a brain uh, a senior's moment or
3: something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know you're asking, you know, uh, Congress mandated, you know, this was mandated by Congress to determine, quote, how and why the towers collapsed. But NIST decides not to do that. Instead, they they talked about what happened how about what the towers were made of and everything before the towers started to come apart, and they admitted this to me when I uh, submitted a request for correction, saying the building's, you know, their their explanation violates the laws of physics. And they said, well, it can't because we didn't analyze the collapse. We only analyzed the building while it was still standing, so it can't it couldn't have uh, violated the laws of physics. But the contractors for NIST report, who, who I then uh, filed a federal key 10 case against for science fraud, because they knew what happened, and the way uh, the the law is set up, if they knowingly allow false information to go forward, they are accountable for it.
5: But isn't there a connection between uh, a company that has a patent for free energy, uh, directed free energy technology?
3: Not just just a patent. The the defendants in my case were basically the military-industrial complex and some of the the largest developers and manufacturers of energy weapons. Um, ARA, Applied Research Associates, uh, they had at that time a contract from the U.S. government, they may still have it, to, to understand everything, to know everything about any weapon of mass destruction that's being developed or has been developed. So, in other words, their job to know about such technology, not only about such technology, but about whose technology was used that day. And if my case had gone forward, they would have been put under oath. So they'd either lie, uh, confess, or plead the fifth. You know, not confess, but uh, tell the truth. I, I do not know who did it, but I know they know.
5: All right, Hurricane Aaron. Um, was located just off Long Island on 9 eleven it went virtually unreported in the days leading up to 9 eleven and uh, including apparently the omission of this hurricane on the morning weather map even though the, the a portion of the Atlantic Ocean was shown on the map uh, what 's the connection between hurricane Aaron which I believe was a, was a, a, a like a three level hurricane uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> level three and and uh, the collapse of the uh, the World Trade Center buildings.
3: Hurricanes, uh, a big weather system like that, produces field effects. The field effects occur outside of, you know, from the middle of the hurricane on outward to beyond where the cloud cover is. That's why uh, you can tell where a hurricane is going by which birds leave town. They know the hurricane's going to come there, so they leave town because they can sense it. But they don't get caught in the hurricane. Uh, and on 9-11, we had um, reports of, thunder at JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark airports all the major airports surrounding Manhattan. And everyone thinks it was being a nice, clear day, but this is evidence of field effects. So you have this strange electrical air, you know, volume of air, the space, in just outside the perimeter of the uh, outer bands of the hurricane. It's a, a nice static field. Why is that important? Again, is this just coincidence or? Well, if you look at what hurricanes do, and what weather systems do, um, you know, and also how John Hutchison creates the Hutchison effect, he uses either a Van de Graaff generator or a Tesla coil to create a um, static field that interferes radio frequency signals within that static field to create. The effects.
5: Okay, but so just so 10, I understand here, because I'm not quite, I'm, it, it's me, it's not you. I, I don't quite get the connection. Are you saying that that Hurricane Aaron, which again was really not mentioned in the, in the weather forecast, even though it was just miles off of Long Island, we're talking about a, a, a hurricane, a three-level hurricane, miles off of Long Island, it's ignored by the uh, the weather reporters that day uh, because. Why? It was created by the same technology that brought down the World Trade Center Towers?
3: I, I don't know what was in their minds, but I do know it was played down to an amazing degree. Because we've, we've we've seen various other hurricanes approaching the East Coast before, and, and people worry about if they should evacuate Manhattan or not.
5: And this one didn't... People so
3: alerted to that 11
5: this, this one didn't come ashore, so why?
3: Well, this isn't about it coming ashore. No. If it stops right outside of town... There's going to be huge storm surges, and Manhattan is at sea level. Right. And it's going to be flooded. JFK is right at sea level. It's going to be flooded. You're going to have some horrendous problems. And in case in case the hurricane stalls out there a little bit too long before it turns around or goes wherever it's going to go, uh, might you want to rent a car to make sure to, you, know, you can get out of town?
5: So, again, yeah, just so I understand, understand make, to make sure I understand, are you saying that Hurricane Aaron then was likely one of the uh the the ancillary results of of activating this f- directed energy weapon.
3: No, Hurricane Aaron created a uh, a static field. Okay. And it, it it was mentioned here and there very lightly and some stations it didn't even mention it at all. They said, you know, weather could be better, everything's nice, you know. Right, move along, nothing to worry about here. Uh, but it creates a static field. That in itself is not a problem, just like John Hutchison uses a Van de Graaff generator. It doesn't cause a problem, but it's when you interfere a, a uh, radio frequency signal within that static field that you, is when you have the effects. It's an interference. Uh, so it's not just one or the other. Um, an analogy I like to give is a photographic emulsion. You don't burn an image on a piece of paper with light. What you do is trigger a chemical reaction in a photographic emulsion. Right. And so it takes both.
5: Okay, so uh, again though, uh, are you saying that if Hurricane Aaron hadn't happened by, the, d- the, the destruction wouldn't have been so severe?
3: I, it, it, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. This is just a, a pretty interesting coincidence. It, it could easily be used if you look at other weather systems. And weather patterns. You get weird things in hurricanes and in tornadoes, these uh, torsional kind of energy fields. You, you get a car sitting on top of a, a telephone pole. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it okay. didn't tumble up there. No. Uh there's a picture I have of a car sitting on a fence. The car isn't scratched. The fence where it's sitting, it's it's just under a roof, so it had to have floated there and then gradually rested there. Without okay. the fence. It's a wooden fence. The car is balanced on the fence. That was from Hurricane Wilma.
5: Let me grab one more quick call. Uh, Nelson Thal, our media scientist friend, is uh, with us. Uh, good evening, Nelson. You're on the line with Dr. Judy Wood.
7: Yeah, Dr. Wood and Richard, great topic. And uh, thanks, Dr. Wood, for coming on and sharing your treasury of wisdom with us. Um, quickly, um, from where was the energy beams propagated on 9-11? And what sort of equipment is do nations or... Groups have in order to uh, shield themselves from this technology, from this sort of attacks.
3: This this is not like a, a laser beam from space. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about interference of
7: energy fields. Yeah, ele- and, e- electromagnetic pulse weapons, tectronic weapons. You're talking about for, as it as I'm, Colonel Bearden describes it.
3: I'm, uh, what I'm talking about is the same kind of physics involved in the Hutchison effect. Tesla also had, had used this. Other researchers along the way, T. Townsend Brown, George Pickett. Right. even had a patent on it in the early 1900s.
7: Right. Okay. Listen. And
3: it's, it's an interference. It's not just a single weapon like a point and shoot.
7: Very exciting. It's too bad it couldn't. Uh, it was powerful, very powerful, but not powerful enough to uh, destroy Muhammad atta's passport. Right, Richard?
5: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, Nelson, thank you for that. We'll uh, talk you. soon. Uh, Dr. Judy Wood, listen, We're going to. this is going to be part one. We're going to have you back on. We're going to get into this uh, in in more depth again uh, soon. Um, we'll leave it there for now. You've certainly, I'm sure, pricked up a lot of ears out there in uh, radio land. Um, you and I have talked to several times over the years, but for a lot of people listening, this is the first they're hearing of this. And how quickly can they get a, co- uh, a, a copy of the book, Where did the Towers Go?
3: Well, if they're in the United States, uh, you can probably get it within two or three days. If they go to the website, com, all one word, or if they go to my home page, there's a link to the book site from there. My homepage is drjudywood.com. That's just drjudywood.com. All one word, drjudywood.com. But you could also Google, I'm sure Where did the towers go? And it should come up.
5: Excellent. And I've also linked to your website on my homepage at richardserrett.com. Go to the homepage and uh, just click go. click on Dr. Judy Wood. And uh, if you don't find it there, it's because it's moved into the past show archives. So just click on past show archives, and then under today's date, Sunday, April the third, that'll get you today's show. And uh, The information is right there. Dr. Judy Wood, thank you for this. We'll talk soon.
3: And thank you so much for having the courage to have me on.
5: My pleasure, and uh, the feeling is mutual. Thank you for having the courage to write that book.
3: Thanks.
5: Bye-bye. All right, when we come back, Richard Serrett, able to transcend space and time, we'll find out when I'm joined in studio by a
0: master remote viewer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Show with Richard Seren from Zuma Radio, AM 740. We have a guest, and
5: I need to tidy up because it's only proper when you have some company you uh, straighten things up. We've got a lot of paper. Dr. G- uh, Dr. Judy Wood uh, has left, and we now are joined by. This is what you need. Okay, Joanne Crobat is uh, with us from Knowledge Works Global, and she is a master remote viewer. And, uh, okay, we're just shuffling some papers around. We are about to uh, embark on a, uh, well, we're going to do an experiment. I don't know if this has been done on the air. Uh, Well, about a year ago, uh, Joanne Crowbot was with us. And in the adjacent studio where Dan sits, uh, it's a much larger studio in there, Master Control, we call it, uh, we had three or four volunteers and uh, Joanne Krobot was giving them a crash course in remote viewing, and then live on the air, they all tried to uh, uh, discern or divine uh, or remote view. You you need that pen. Okay. Remote view a hidden target, which turned out to be the Taj Mahal. Well, we're going to do that again tonight, except I am the guinea pig. I am the remote viewer. And an hour before the uh, kickoff of the program at 11 o'clock, I was in the boardroom down the hall getting that crash course in remote viewing. Okay, that being said, we, uh, we welcome uh, to The Conspiracy Show, once again, Joanne Krobot. Hello, Joanne.
8: Hi, how are you? I'm
5: well, thank you.
8: Good.
5: I've got my alpha waves <laughs> going, which is uh, where I need to be, my alphas. No, my beta waves or my alpha waves?
8: Your beta and alpha, we're going in between.
5: Okay, we're going we're gonna to sort of ping-pong back and forth between my alpha and my beta, yes. which means my, my, my alert, occasionally agitated state. And the beta <laughs> waves would be sort of sleepy. I have twin four-year-old boys. I'm I'm ready.
8: You yeah, know, a to yeah, a I'm little tired. Yeah, I'm
5: tired. I am tired. So yes, that's where I'm at. You know it's what I've learned, a remote viewer is like a like a great sinkerball pitcher. Sinkerball pictures pictures. Do you remember Jim Acker with the Toronto Blue Jays? He was always good when he was only working on like a day rest. When he was slightly tired, no. the sinker ball would have more action on the ball. So a remote viewer, it's good to be a little tired. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm in prime remote <laughs> viewing zone then. Let's just walk us through what we did in the boardroom an hour ago.
8: Sure. Um, let me take you through what I'll use is that, uh, the content that I kind of, the structure that I showed you rather. And uh, it'll give you kind of an idea as to what's going on. Um, What we did, what Richard and I did, was we went through um, really the structure of how to do a remote viewing session. And as uh, David Morehouse always said from the walls of the remote viewing unit in Fort Meade, Maryland, content be damned, structure is everything. So if you're stuck, follow the structure, which is what we teach in the class. It's very, very important. Right. The content isn't as important. If you follow the structure, you'll get the content. Okay. The structure is more important. And when we follow this structure, this kind of cheat sheet that I made up for you, you will get information. And whatever you get is great. doesn't matter if you get one thing, ten things, a hundred things. doesn't matter.
5: Images. Uh, whatever. Sensory uh, information. Tactile, mm-hmm. olfactory auditory,
8: right. Uh, taste, right.
5: images, right. visual images. Okay. You may
8: see colors, you may see objects, you may see people, you may see something you're not even sure of. You just draw it, you just describe it, and that's all you're doing, you're just commentating basically on it.
5: Okay. All right. So, what's the next stage?
8: So, what we're going to do is we're going to do coordinate remote viewing, which is a series of numbers, four numbers and four numbers. And we're going to do a target that's associated to those numbers.
5: Now, those numbers have no, no meaning.
8: Right. They're random.
5: No intrinsic meaning.
8: Right. I chose them. They're random.
5: And you just assign those to whatever the hidden target is. Yes. The hidden target is in an envelope, a sealed yes. envelope? Where is mm-hmm. that? It's envelope. right here. Can I see it?
8: Yeah, you won't, can see it. Cannot, you, can't, uh, you can touch it, but you can't open it. We're okay. watching him, Dan. Dan, that's a
5: sealed envelope. <laughs> He's giving us the thumbs up. I cannot see through it. I can hold it up to the nope. light. I can't. Nope. I won't hold it up to the light, but I, nope. I can't see it. Yeah, you can't see it. Okay, so that, let me just...
8: <laughs>
5: theater of the mind there. That's radio. There's the envelope, yep. and it's on the desk in front yep. of Joanne. In that envelope is a piece of paper, and you've written down the hidden target. Yes. It could be a person, thing.
8: place, a or place, thing. A
5: thing. All right. That's right. Because, again,
8: remote viewing is the tran- learned ability yes. to transcend time and space, to travel, to view persons, places, things, events in the past, present, or future.
5: Okay. Now, when, I, when I'm, when um, again, uh, you know, ping-ponging between my alpha and beta waves. I call it and
8: porpoising, but, yeah, okay. Ping-ponging works, too.
5: All right. <laughs> Habeas porpoise. Uh, and you're going to give me the coordinates and yeah. using those coordinates. Now, am I actually... Literally. Am I literally transcending space and time? Am I bi-locating to this target? If it, Let's say, if, like last time it was the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Am I actually bi-locating? You're
8: picking up. You're picking it up. You're picking up that signal. You're picking up the signal. I've created this target. See the numbers on this envelope? Yes. That's going to be your coordinates.
5: Those are my coordinates. They
8: are your coordinates. Okay. And when we actually do the session. And... That's what's connected to the target. When I thought of the target, I gave it these numbers. Okay. And my intention goes into these numbers. All right. My intention is the target, and those are the numbers. All right. Okay. And you're going to pick up whatever you're getting from those numbers.
5: All right. We'll uh, take a timeout. We'll come back, and we'll get you to walk us through the structure of uh, coordinate remote viewing. And then I'm actually going to uh, attempt. Are you going to give me the coordinates?
8: I will. And people might want to get some blank paper.
5: All right, and then uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. This is yeah. uh, this is exciting. Um, I'm about to transcend space and time. I'm about to remote view a hidden target, we hope. Again, if you're listening at home, if you're familiar with remote viewing, perhaps you've taken a course with Joanne Crowbot. Uh, perhaps uh, the legendary David Morehouse, author of Psychic Spies. Was that it? Psychic Warrior. Psychic
9: Warrior. Psychic Warrior, mm-hmm. Close. yes,
5: uh, who was part of the CIA Stargate uh, program. program.
9: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
5: Again, uh, the U.S. military, the CIA, the Russians all invested millions of dollars in this. They believed that they could train spies to remote view on the other folks, locate missiles, etc. Did you see men who stare at at goats? I'm not about to stare at a goat, but I am about to remote view, and I hope you'll join me. Richard Serrett, The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.
1: Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Our good friend, uh, Victor Vigiani, who joins us on this program
5: frequently to discuss UFOs, ETs, We'll be speaking at Conspir- Conspiracy Culture, our dear friends Patrick and Kadina, down on Queen Street, 1696. Uh, the title of the presentation is called UFOs and Government Media Mendacity. How well are you being lied to? And again, that's Victor Vigiani, news director of Zeland Communication. And uh, my co-pilot here on the Conspiracy Show. Uh, That is taking place on Saturday, April the 23rd. Again, Conspiracy Culture, 1696 Queen Street West. Saturday, April 23rd uh, from 7.15 p.m. to 9.15 p.m. Entry, $5. You can pay over the phone with a Visa or MasterCard or you can come into the shop to purchase your spot. Uh, Call 416-916-1696. 416-916-1696. I plan on being there. Again, our good friend Victor Vigiani. UFOs and Government Media Mendacity. How Well Are You Being Lied To? Very provocative title. And uh, again, you can log on to conspiracyculture.com for more details. All right. Uh, Joanne Krobot is here from Knowledge Works Global, Inc., and uh, she's given me a crash course in remote viewing, and we'll, tell you, uh, we'll give you some details on an upcoming remote viewing course Joanne is offering. But first, again, walk us through how to become a remote viewer in uh, 40 minutes or less. That seems ridiculous uh, to be able to... Tra- I, I want to learn to transcend time and space. Do you got a half an hour? That's <laughs> it. Wow.
8: Yeah, well, you know, that's why we do the class because really there's a lot more detail that we're going to go into. Right. So the experience, I think, will be greater... In a class, yeah, it's an intense those, weekend. It is. Oh, it's very intense. It's like a Saturday nine to nine and Sunday nine to six. It's like boom, 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 right. boom, boom. Target, 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 and information, information. Right. I just got so, my learner's
5: permit, you but you, just you did. give them the obstacle yeah. course and how to, you know, yeah. defensive driving and all exactly. that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
8: Great analogy. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, just again some structure that I talked about earlier, and that structure will take you through. The target basically that will okay. give you some ideas as to what to do so we're going to start off with a blank piece of paper got it and uh, again because it's not a visual program here that you know we have a structure where we're writing our name and our date at the top of the page and the page number that kind of thing and um, maybe some things that are kind of let's say your pants are a little tight or something's kind of making you itchy or whatever write that down but what we're going to do is write the coordinates down and when we write the coordinates down there's eight numbers. The last number for simplicity's sake is going to be a one. So at the end of the one, as I spoke to you earlier about, was at the end of the one you keep writing and you just kind of do like a squiggle across the page, like a one-second squiggle, don't be drawing.
5: Off the tail of the one. Exactly, which is why off you, the tail of the one. That's right. why you always end the eight number coordinate right. with a one, so that yeah. off the tail of that one, that's you right. can just let your hand go. It's almost like automatic writing. Exactly. Now, and again, for those uh, Playing along at home, I don't mean to be flippant when I say mm-hmm. say that, but you should have some blank paper, a smooth writing surface, mm-hmm. and preferably a black ink pen. Yes. And and you're going to rest your pen, you're going to rest your hand, rather, on your pinky. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're going to sort of support your hand with that pinky right. and then touch the pen to the paper. That's right. Okay. And so uh, you get yourself a blank piece of paper. That's right. All right. Do I want me to actually number? Do my you know write my my page number and all if that? If you want to, oh, sure, okay. Go ahead. So it's page one. We circle that. And uh, whoops, hang on. I write my mm-hmm. name.
8: hmm And the just date, just like we
5: rehearsed. Mm-hmm. All right, Richard and mm-hmm. the date, uh, which is 04-03-11. Uh, mm-hmm. and then our start time. The do SG- I do that now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, we're not really no? starting officially. We're yet, not we? starting now. Okay. we still
8: want to do, a little, bit of a, we do a, a little bit of a meditation for a couple, like a okay. minute or two, whatever works for you here. There'll be
5: a start time and an end time. Right. And, uh, okay.
8: And then we're going to get into the target. Now,
5: speaking of the meditation, because mm-hmm. we, ne- we need to get my brain into the alpha, beta, way. Yeah. do you have the white and the pink... noise at the ready. Okay. Joanne, you cue them when you want that, okay?
8: Okay, that's great. All right. So, um, what we're going to do is basically just to give people sort of a a visual kind of uh, over the radio, we're going to write down a couple of things. Uh, We're going to write down the coordinates. We're going to draw a little line off the one. And uh, let me know if this makes sense to you because I'm doing it auditorily versus visually. I'm very visual. In the class, hence the class. Um, and then we're going to do on the right-hand side of the page in A, B, and C. A is kind of describing what that line looks like. Is it just like one big curve? Is it going up and down, up and down, across? Right. Uh, B is basically two choices. Is, do you feel like it's man-made or is it natural? Touch your pen to that line that you've, drew, that, you've that you're about to draw. Right. And you're going to decide. Does it feel like it's man-made or natural? Those are your two choices. C becomes really kind of a structure. Is it a mountain? Is it a is it water? Is it a structure? Is it land? Is it land, water interface, like a beach? And, where there's and sand and water?
5: How are you getting those uh, sensory perceptions? you're 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 taking your pen and you're touching it down on that that line.
8: Yeah, you're putting you're putting your pen, you're dotting the line. you're putting little dots on the line to feel it.
5: which comes off the back of those coordinates. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, you call that mm-hmm. a signal wave.
8: We call that an ideogram. An ideogram. Yeah, an ideogram here. Okay, yeah, exactly. an ideogram. Ideogram, all right. Yeah, all right. And uh, and that's why I have this little cheat sheet for Richard, so he can kind of see a little bit of a summary of what his choices are and things. So
5: simply by touching my pen at different points mm-hmm. along that ideogram, mm-hmm. which you're going to sort yeah. of construct, of, it's just going to your pen. Just follow your pen, folks. Uh, that is going to start giving me, generating um, sensory pers- information. sensory information, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I'm going to start writing that down. Uh, right. Is it man-made? Is it, is natural? it natural? Is or, it a structure? Mm-hmm. Is it mountain, water, land, that sort of thing? Okay. Mm -hmm, Exactly. All right.
8: And then once you are done that and you feel like you've got that information done, then in the middle of the page below that, you're going to start feeling, what are you getting in the way of sensory, like colors? What are you you seeing more specific? This is really like a stage two area where you're going to write down, your colors, and is it rough, is it gritty, is it dry, is it hot outside, is it cold, what do you, you know, what are you getting from it, what are you feeling, what are you hearing? It depends on, I don't hear a lot of stuff, I more see things and feel things because that's on visual and auditory, rather, sorry, visual and kinesthetic, pardon me, auditory kind of comes after. Okay. I hear things rarely. But um, so, just
5: point um, yeah. one point at a time. Yeah, color. Just
8: keep your pen smells. to the paper. Yeah, keep your pen. Like make a little dot in the middle of the page, below your ABCs and then the lines and everything that you've drawn, and uh, and just kind of close your eyes for a second, and see what you pick up. And whatever you pick up is okay. Okay. If you get a pink elephant, I don't care. It trust matter. in that. It does, right. Yeah, you have to just trust, and that's a real. We talk about it in the class. That's why we do the class so intently because. People bring a lot of their baggage and their assumptions and things, and we don't want that here. That's not important. You just, you're just a conduit for the information. All right. You know? well,
5: when it comes to flying, I am i don't check baggage. <laughs> I'm simply right. carry-on. That's right. I'm a carry-on kind of cat, so not to worry. All <laughs> that's right.
8: That's so awesome. Great analogy. Um, but that's how it works. And then... Once you get some sensory information, you may actually start seeing pictures, and that's fantastic. Draw the pictures.
5: Okay, and draw those, them. Draw the pictures. If you have any on pictures to sketch on the left, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you have any other notes to make, yeah, you write those on the right hand exactly. side. Exactly.
8: Like if you see, like we were saying, if okay. you see something like the CN Tower suddenly, we'll just write that on the right hand side and get that out of your head.
5: Okay. Let me do a quick summary, and then we'll go to break. Sure. Okay. So blank piece of paper. A smooth writing surface, a black ink pen, Mm -hmm. and you write uh, the page number, you Mm -hmm. write your name, the date, your start time, your Mm -hmm. end time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you have any before you even start, even before you get the coordinates, if Mm -hmm. you have any advanced visuals, you might just make note of that. You can say yes or no, or you might even write down what the advanced visual is. If there's any personal inclemencies or mm-hmm. anything uh, just to be very scientific about it if there's something you, you know your your uh, your boxer shorts are on a little too tight <laughs> or or you've got tinnitus is yes. bothering you anything yes. like that that could yeah. uh, skew the results you might make a note of that as well and then uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna receive your coordinate on mm-hmm. the left hand side you're gonna get those eight numbers you're gonna write those down they always end with a one off the back of that one you're just going to let your hand with your pen
6: Construct that ideogram
5: just for a second, a beat and a half. Construct that ideogram. Just let your hand and your pen flow. Then you stop, mm-hmm. and uh, and then after that, um, on the right hand side, uh, section A, you're going to describe what that ideogram looks like. It's you know like you're plotting a graph. It goes up and then it goes down and then it goes a you know horizontal flat and then it goes up and then down or what have you, and then B, you're going to make note. You get a sense. Is it, you know, touch that ideogram now with your pen. Is it man made? Is it natural? Just very general, very general impression. Is it a structure? Is it mountain, water, structure, whatever? That's uh, uh, the structures are part C. So A, describe the ideogram. B, a very general description of what you think the target is. And C, describe the structure very generally mountain, water, land, land water interface. It's a person, whatever. Okay, that's stage one. Stage two is about sensory data. You're going to actually make a dot with your pen and then close your eyes for a second and just write down sensory data. Colors, smells, aromas, uh, textures, um, temperature, uh, uh, hearing. What are you hearing? Auditory, all that sort of thing. And if you get any images that you want to sketch, sketch those on the left. If you want to write anything, uh, do it on the right-hand side. That's stage one and stage two. And uh, we'll come back. A quick description of stage three. And then a little uh, meditation music. Some white and pink noise uh, to get this remote viewer in the right frame of mind. And I will attempt then to remote view a hidden target sitting on a desk in a sealed envelope before me.
0: Joanne Crowbot from Knowledge Works Global in studio. I will remote view on the other side. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creed. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them
6: off right in the middle of the second time speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our
7: teachers and brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Live
1: from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show, with Richard Serrett, from Zoomer Radio, AM
7: 740. You can
1: follow me on Twitter,
5: Twitter forward slash Richard Serrett, all one word. All right, well, let's start uh, transcending some space and time, shall we? Uh, stage three of the the structure of uh, How to Remote View is, uh, is what, Joanne Crobot?
8: As the actual drawing,
5: the actual drawing, sketching. Yeah. So yeah. at this point, you've received some sensory data. Uh, you keep going back to that ideogram, touching various points of it along.
8: The... Once you do, once you're done touching the, the ideogram and doing your ABCs, then you don't go back up again. You always go down. Oh, you so do Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to. All the information from that is taken. Okay. It's done, and that's you're sort of that's dumped out. That's oh, okay. Done. All right. So then you continue on to your sensory, which is the colors and the sounds and the textures and the smells, right. whatever, temperatures and things. And then you're sketching.
5: Okay. That's it. All right. And it's, and it's important not to sort of, you know, you, you get a sense of something, but you, you want to be general because you don't want to attach an overlay uh, you,
8: too yeah, much you on Yeah, you don't want to say, oh, that's a table or a chair. You want, to, you want to touch it with your pen and say, you want to draw, for example. So you, so you see a table, right. as an example. Right. You draw it. And then you touch it with your pen and you say, oh, it's wood, it's hard. But it's not necessarily and I think a it's table. Brown. No, yeah. you, it may not be. You might think it is. Right. You know, so say you you draw whatever you see. Say you see a tree. You draw the tree. And then you say, oh, it's a green, you know, and the, the bark is brown maybe, and it's large or whatever. Or you see a house. Okay. Maybe it's a white house with a red roof or something. You know, it just you have to just describe, be very, very general about it. So you could say red... White stone or red brick, you okay. know, but don't call it a house. You can draw it, but don't call it a house.
5: Okay. That's after s- after we start doing the sketches, at what point am I ready to tell you what I think the hidden target is?
8: Um, well, we can time you, and uh, and do it that way. So we can say okay, end session, and then you'll write down at the top of the page your end time. Right. And uh, and then we can compare notes. Okay. I want to see your session first. Okay. And if you want anyone to call in or whatever, we'll, we can discuss it. And then um, and then we can open the target later.
5: Okay. Now, we need to get my uh, alpha-beta waves going. So mm-hmm. we're going to play, what, a little... Um, yeah, a little
8: uh, pink noise would be great.
5: Okay. Why don't we, um, uh, Dan, why don't we do a l- which one? The white noise or the pink noise? The
8: white was harsher, so I don't know how it'll sound on the radio. Maybe the pink. Whatever you think, Dan.
5: Okay. Play the, the pink noise. And, and uh, for those of you that are interested in remote viewing at home, just listen to this. And, um, Sit
8: back, relax.
5: Okay, just for a few minutes or yeah, a few seconds? just for a minute or
8: so, yeah. That's good.
5: And, and this is in. getting my, uh, my brain, should yeah. I be closing my close eyes at your this eyes. point?
8: Yeah, You'll close your eyes, relax. Take slow breaths. That's good. Brain waves are going from beta to alpha. Relaxing. Very good. Very good. You want to close your eyes at home. Put your head back if you want to. Just breathe deeply. That's great. Take a couple more deep breaths, slowly. Inhale, that's right. Exhale, good. Every time you exhale, you go a little deeper. That's great. That's great. All right, so let's get started. I'll give you your coordinates.
5: All right, do we lose the music now? The pink noise. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. All that's right. great. Pink noise. That was the extended dance mix. That's available on uh, LP, I'm sure somewhere. Okay, so our coordinates Your coordinates, coordinates are, are, are Pinky
8: on the page. Hand off the paper. Okay, so
5: my I'm resting my hand on my yes, Pinky. Okay, give me the coordinates.
8: Right. Your coordinates are 2690 and underneath, you will write one six five one. At the end of the one, you draw a little squiggle out. Your ideogram, in one second, and you're done.
5: All right. Do I need to write my start time down now?
8: Uh, yes. Let's do that.
5: Okay. I've it got... is twelve thirty-two.
8: Okay, great. Twelve thirty-two works.
5: Well, uh, or if you prefer military time, that would be just. Uh, no, it's all right. No, it's confusing. Twenty-four thirty-two. Okay. <laughs> Well, David Morehouse was, you know, ex-military.
8: Oh, I know. He's I love that about him. It's okay. wonderful.
5: 12:32.
8: 12:32 a.m.
5: That's my start time. Okay, so now. So that's your
8: ideogram. So now for A, let me just
5: repeat the coordinate sure. for those uh, who Absolutely, are playing please. along at home. 2690 and then underneath that, you're going to write 1651. One. And uh, once you finish making that one, don't lift your pen off your paper. Right off the back of that one, let your go hand across? take it and go across where you will. Okay. That's right. So now, section A, we're going to describe the ideogram that I've just constructed. Well, uh, it kind of uh, goes down, and then it goes horizontal.
8: And this is yours. This Everyone's is Everyone's got their own. That's right.
5: And then it goes down again. Is that all the detail you need? Like down, horizontal, down? Yeah, just down. a little
8: bit of detail. Up, okay. down, across, whatever. Across. You know, couple of Kind of, details. of bumpy. So can, yeah. And,
5: and then, then up it just kinda, the end. It kind of scoop. Mm-hmm. scoops down,
8: mm-hmm.
5: and then it goes up at the end.
8: Yeah, that's great. Perfect.
5: All right, that's Perfect. A. Now B
8: Now B is going to be, do you feel, touch it again with your pen, Okay, touch I need to that touch line, to anywhere? start at the beginning again, close to the one there, you don't have to draw the one, but just below the one, there you go, right beside the one. You want to start touching it, kind of if you want to even close your eyes, do a couple of little dots, dot, dot, like you're kind of, you know, walking across the line with your pen. You want to think about, is it man-made or natural? Good.
5: Do you want me to reveal what I'm thinking?
8: Uh no, I don't think so. I think I want to keep it a secret until we get to the target.
5: Okay, now I don't want to panic, but I'm not getting anything.
8: It's okay. Close your eyes for a minute. Whatever you feel is right. You only have two choices man made or natural.
5: Let's try again here.
8: Mm-hmm. That's okay. And sometimes what we do in the class is uh, Richard's doing this now. Uh, you can, might even want to start over again. You might want to write the coordinates down again and go A, B, C. But for the you know purpose of time, we want to uh, you know move from one thing to the other. But I'm going to wait and see what Richard writes down for B. You know what?
5: I, I I'm going to do it again because I'm not go getting ahead. anything.
8: That's fine. Two six. Are you nine, sure you zero. played the right track, Dan? <laughs> again, being in the class is really great because we spend more time on this. But that's okay. Whatever feels right. Okay, that's I have a new ideogram. Great. Okay. You want to describe it again? Okay, go A, so B, C. Okay,
5: so A, we're going to go down,
8: mm-hmm.
5: across,
8: mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm.
5: up, mm-hmm. and it trails off, mm-hmm. sort of.
8: All right, that's, Great. that's my A, my and B. And your B, oh, okay, you go back let's, and close your eyes p- when you touch the, touch the ideogram with your pen. You can put your hand back on the paper again. It doesn't have to be up in the air. But just touch the actual, just slowly, slowly touch it. What does it feel like? Close your eyes if you need to. Touch the ideogram, close your eyes. Open your eyes. Make sure you're still on the ideogram. Just keep touching it. What does it feel like? And this is where we have to really not bring our baggage in. We have to not assume things. We Just take the first okay. thing. now I'm getting that, something. Yeah, see? All right, take I'm writing it down. Take the first thing.
5: And this is just general. Is it? It's either man-made or natural. I've yeah. made my selection. So whatever, that's
8: B. Yeah, whatever you feel. Okay. That's B. C. C. Uh,
5: okay, so I want to go back up to my ideogram and touch it again? Yeah,
8: touch it again. And I want and to determine what kind of a you structure think is it? it's going to be mountain, water, a structure, land, land-water interface, like a beach, meaning sand to, and water, or a person?
5: Okay, I'm definitely getting some... Uh, Sensory data.
8: Mm-hmm. A structure. And the more relaxed you are, the better, too. Okay, now. You can write down yeah whatever you write down, whatever is right for you. Okay.
5: Um, you know, I don't you know if this write is. Write
8: that down. This well, is what I've C, written,
5: Joanne. Does that make any sense? Is that appropriate?
8: That's okay, but for C, we want to write down any of these choices mountain, water, Structure oh, land okay. land water interface well, those are great for later. since
5: it's that then it has That's to okay. be there has to be that. right
8: Well you're assuming, but what does it feel like? Just because it's man-made.
5: Well, some sort of a mm-hmm. is that what you're looking for?
8: Well, I'm looking for these words. Mountain pick one. Mountain.
5: Well, I did I said that
8: water. This, you said this? I, did oh, I didn't that. see you. I there. didn't see you right okay. Oh, I know, but when you picked that, you just kind of picked it because B was no. man made. You know what I mean? You well, kind of might work because d- B is man made, it's got to be that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, well, it's I either this or this.
5: It's, it's some, I, I'm not sure at this point. It's mm-hmm. either this or this.
8: Well, is the surface, what is the surface, though? So It's got to be one of these words. So either you pick, you, but to me it seemed like you picked structure yeah. just because yes. it was man-made. It's structure versus is okay. it land? I didn't want to let the
5: cat because, out of the bag, but yes, okay, it's fine. man-made and it's a structure. That's
8: fine. That's, okay. that's what you think. That's it what is. I'm that's getting. Great. That's great. All right. As long as you feel that it's not just an assumption of what you got before, because sometimes we do that. We go, oh, you know what's this? We're so logical. It's this, so it's got to be this. So we have to watch that because you know we're so creative and we're human, right? We just right. kind of.
5: Uh, what I'm getting is a man-made. I'm getting a man-made structure. Okay, that's, that's what I'm cool. getting from my ideogram.
8: Great. So, if you feel comfortable with that, yes. that's great. And just okay. again, the coordinates if anybody needs them again, I'm going to read them off just in case. 26901651. Okay. And, and then touch
5: your ideogram, Be exactly. one with your ideogram and then <laughs> uh, okay.
8: And then we're going to go down uh, the page a little bit, starting in the middle. And you may want to pick a second page because you're kind of already down here. So you don't want to go back up. You always want page two. Page two? two. Yeah. Flip your page one over. You don't need to see it anymore. It doesn't matter. Okay. And then in the middle of the top of page two for you, you're going to write down S2, which is uh, stage two.
6: Okay.
8: And uh, what you're going to do underneath that is you're going to put your pen to paper for a moment and close your eyes. And start writing down anything you get. Colors. i lower my voice a little bit so it's not distracting. Colors, sounds, textures, temperatures, a feeling even. Use your sensory, acuity, your sensory acuity. Your senses are so important in this. Sometimes we don't have enough time to do that for ourselves, but we just got to take the time and Relax and get it done. Is there something rough? Is there something gritty? Do you see anything? Do you see people or animals or
5: I'm getting some colors. I'm buildings getting temperature. I'm or, getting a texture. Yeah,
8: good. Write it down, write it down, write it down. And keep your pen to the paper when you're not writing, because that keeps you connected to the target. It's very important. I'm getting kind and whatever of, uh, you're getting is great. There was one time we did a target, and all I got was two things. But boy, were they huge for the target. So anything you get is great. Like I said, you get a pink elephant, great. Write it down. Draw a picture.
5: Feeling a draft. Not in the mm-hmm. studio.
8: No, uh, it's not drafty in here. <laughs> and just close your eyes. Continue doing those dots. Dots all the way down. Never go back up the page. Go. Keep going down, 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 down. Is there smooth, soft, grittiness? Interesting. Sleek, I'm smelling, cold. Oh, you're smelling
5: Smelling fresh concrete. Mm. Does that make any sense?
7: I'm I know you can't tell any- me. You're
5: not going to tell me anything. Can I, I'm just going to, you know what? I know I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Can I, can I say what I'm writing down here? You'd uh, rather no, I not yet. No, no, you'd rather I didn't. No. Okay, I, I did give no, away no. one one there. It doesn't okay. matter. All right.
8: Keep writing down. Do you see anything? Do you see the sky?
5: I hear footsteps. Do you see buildings? I'm going to write write it down but not see.
8: Is it nighttime? Is it daytime? Is it morning? Is it raining? Is it snowing like it is outside now?
5: No. Okay. keep keep going? going. Yeah, keep keep going, going? keep going. Fill
8: the page up, fill the page up. And you're just writing, what Richard's doing is writing pages, uh, sorry, uh, words in the middle of the page, it's late for me. Uh, Words in the middle of the page, just all the way down in a row.
5: These are sensory data, sensory information I'm getting. Yeah,
8: whatever, your senses are Visuals. so whether it's bright or it's dark, or auditory, which is sounds. Do you hear water? Do you hear people talking? Do you hear vehicles? What do you hear? I'd be careful not to put words into your head, but I want to just give you an example. For example, uh, for kinesthetic, do you feel anything? Are you touching anything? Are you feeling anything that's hard or soft or smooth or bumpy or rough or gritty? There's two.
5: Th- there's more than one texture here.
8: That's okay. Usually there is. Like, you know, look at the room we're sitting in. Look at anywhere you are. There's usually more than one texture. Just keep writing it. And there's no judgment, right? That's the whole idea. No judgment. Excuse me. The less judgmental we are, the better. All the time.
6: You and that's what? great. I'm done. I'm not getting okay, anything else. I'm now tapped. close your
8: eyes for a minute and okay. see if you get any pictures. Again, this is a summary version. So in the class, we might write for a couple of pages. And then we'll do this, you know, maybe for 45 minutes or something. Sometimes an hour, it just depends. And the meditation may be 20 minutes. But so far, so good.
5: Now, mm-hmm. you see, this is strange. I, I, I'm <coughs> not getting a structure now. Mm-hmm. It's changed.
8: Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever you're getting is great.
5: Now I'm seeing... Uh...
8: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I can't read what... Oh, I see what that is. Okay. I couldn't read that word uh, sideways. <laughs> yeah, great. Keep writing down. That's, whatever you get is wonderful. All right, Dan it's like, it's why don't like you take part, us into mm-hmm. a
5: break and I'll just keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, the conspiracy show, Richard Serrett with you, Joanne Crobot in studio from Knowledge Works Global. and uh, if' if you're playing along at home, I hope you're uh, you're in touch with the target. i'm uh, I'm getting something, but it's uh, quite frankly not making much sense to me.
8: Mm-hmm. doesn't matter.
5: We'll keep trying as we uh, take a timeout back on the other side. Stay with us.
1: search of sunken cities and weird science, mythical beasts, and modern-day bloodsuckers. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett continues from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Oh boy, I tell you,
5: I'm getting uh, all sorts of interesting sensory data here, but I don't know if any of this makes sense or connects... First, I had a man-made structure, and now I'm I'm seeing uh, a person. And I'm actually making my first sketch here. C- can I tell them what I'm sketching or not? Yes. If I can. Okay. I'm sketching a pair of eyes. But all I'm seeing is uh, sort of the you know from the forehead to below the nose. That's all I'm seeing. As if that pair of eyes that are looking at me, sort of, uh, they're looking through a pair of blinds, you know, mm. or a set of, a set of mm-hmm. blinds. Or shutters. Are,
8: are they dark eyes or light eyes or blue or black? Can you see can sort of color? Brown eyes? Can you see the eyebrows?
5: I'm getting uh, blue. I'm okay. getting blue eyes. You can
8: write that beside the picture. Very pale. That's great.
5: Okay, blue eyes,
8: mm-hmm.
5: sort of pale complexion. Mm-hmm. And I get the distinct impression this is an elderly person.
8: Male or female? It's a life form. We don't call it a person officially. Right? Ah, want to state it's a life form. Life okay. form. Because sometimes, you know, you don't know what it's you're male. seeing. You sometimes um, it's land, let's call it, somewhere, but you might be staring at a wall and you're thinking, oh, look at that, all those, you know, caves or something. It's like, no, it's just the texture of the wallpaper because okay. you're staring at it.
5: If anyone happens to be uh, playing along with his experiment at home, and I, I use the word play uh, not in a pejorative way, and this is serious business, uh, and you know, not to make light. This is a this is an this requires an intense, you know, at least a weekend of intensive training. Mm-hmm. I did this mm-hmm. in I did this in an hour, mm-hmm. but I am getting some in, interesting mm-hmm. sensory data here. But if anyone yeah. is is getting anything at home, if you just want to say, you know, check in with us and say, yes, I am. Uh, I got the coordinates. I am trying it. I've constructed my ideogram. I'm getting some sensory data. Would love to hear from you. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty three six zero zero seven forty, and the four one six toll free from uh, out of town from Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, 866-740-4740. Just like to hear from some fellow remote viewers out there. All right, so I filled up page 2, uh, That's Joanne. That's Start stage, the next page. Flip stage, it over. Okay, page 3.
8: Yeah, flip it over start page 3. Okay, now and, what do I do? More sensory data? Are, yeah, keep going. You, you want to keep sketching any pictures? You said you were done with sensory data. But Sometimes it comes back, so do whatever feels right. If people that call in, if they want to tell us what they got too, what I'll do is I'll make like a master sheet of um what we got and then we okay. can match well, it gonna up Okay, I'm going to draw right. my
5: stick I'm going to draw some stick life forms here.
8: Yeah, stick forms are good.
5: Okay. If you and can't they, draw very well. <laughs> no, and they're just they seem to be um or one of them anyway, sort mm-hmm. of at working at a table or bent over a desk or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and again, I, some of the other things, you know, it's it's dark, it's cool. Okay. There's a draft. Mhm. There's some greenish light like uh, an overhead light source.
9: Mhm.
5: Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the image. Are you
8: indoors or outdoors? Um, you know what? I feel like I'm, I feel
5: like I'm underground.
8: Oh, interesting. Go well, write that down too. Uh, I think I did. I did. Did on you page write underground? Two. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see everything you wrote. Yeah. Oh yes, you did. You did. Underground, dark. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool.
5: So that's another. Okay. So.
8: Um, you want to describe that where that person is? Maybe touch the touch the table. What's the table? Is it wooden? Is it metal?
5: It's it's just very it feels like it's glass. It's a glass top table, and it's um, it's Mm -hmm. very cool to Mm -hmm. the touch. Mm
6: -hmm.
5: And um, there's something. It's transparent. Mm
6: -hmm. Well, it's glass,
5: Mm -hmm. but there's something on whether it's written on the glass table or whether Mm -hmm. I I came up with the term war room. It's like they're they're actually manipulating something on top of the glass table, Mm -hmm. or an image is projecting Mm -hmm. onto the glass Mm -hmm. table. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got the sense that there was some some radar. There's some radar in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every once in a while, you just get this image of those, that pair of eyes like they're looking through some, um, a set of blinds.
8: Do you see the eyes more than once? Have that, has that come up again or are you just remembering it?
5: I can't. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if I'm remembering it or whether it's coming up again and again.
8: Mm-hmm, yeah. So again, because you're, I mean, you're doing a radio show while you're doing this, so it's kind of you're multitasking really well.
5: Yes. Maybe um, I should have mentioned that with my personal inclemencies, I'm conducting a live <laughs> radio show while attempting to remote view a hidden target.
8: Oh yeah, that's a new one for me. I haven't seen that one yet. All right. <laughs> I keep going. I put your, you know, keep your pen to the middle of the page, dotting the paper, closing your eyes, seeing what else comes up. There might be some more. Sensory things. Okay, now this is. Is there weird. a time of year? Can you this tell? This
5: is this is totally bizarre, and I uh, I just have to write it down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got a. Keep uh, writing. I got a. It looked like a periscope.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: And it's coming up through the ice. Mm-hmm. My what have you gotten me into here?
8: <laughs> and again, like you, you don't know what that is, right? Feel like is, I'm in right? the middle of the Cold War. Yeah.
5: <laughs> periscope up through the ice. What else am I getting?
8: Whatever you're getting is great. I have no judgment. That's how we need to do our targets, no judgment. Because really, you know, when uh, they were doing it at the CIA, they were gathering information, which is the whole idea of doing this. So people were doing all these targets, and they were just handing in the information. They didn't have any say or any judgment about it at all. They were just handing it in, and their, you know, superiors were gathering it. i a
5: white chest freezer.
8: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
7: <What the? laughs>
5: you know, this is gonna I'm I'm probably I'm either like
7: Way right off. on
5: and I'm gonna set a world <laughs> record uh and I'm gonna be recruited by the CIA tomorrow or uh, I'm going to be laughed uh, and banned from the remote viewing uh, program. But you don't forever. know
8: what you're saying. Like you're calling it a white chest freezer. That's so, you know, it's just some metal white box, right? Yes. it's isn't not that me- what a white? You're right. Because you're right. again, it's a you're white calling metal it box. titles, and really you don't know. Okay. It's, your, it's your additional stuff that you're adding on. Let so me grab
5: it's... a call here. We, who's calling in from Coburg? Do we have a name? Heather is in Coburg. Hello, Heather. Good morning.
4: I'm doing great.
5: Are you remote viewing along at home? I am. Have you, have you taken a remote viewing course?
4: Uh, no, never.
5: No? But you, you're following along with our instructions? Yes, I have. And you, you've constructed your ideogram, your touching ideogram, you're getting sensory data, all of that? Yes. Okay. And okay. You've, okay. Now,
4: I've, I've come up with the idea that it's the, um, you know the Knights of the Round Table? Yes. I've got the Round Table.
5: You've seen a round table.
4: Yes, not the knights, but the round table. Just a round table. Because I, um, when I was closing my eyes, I got the color of dark wood and a really strong cedar smell. Mm. And it was beautiful. I love cedar, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it.
5: <laughs> That's and, interesting. Normally it, I'm a, I'm, um, I have a very, um, well, they say that your olfactory sense is the most evocative of all your senses. Right. And uh, I'm not getting, maybe it's because I have a cold, but I have no sense of smell.
4: Oh, no, I could smell cedar like crazy.
5: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And
4: then it was hard, of course, which wood would be, but when you rub it, it was very soft at the same time. And I could also get the feeling that it was very old.
8: Hmm. Very interesting.
4: Yeah, and yeah, it was so neat. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing it. I could be way out in left field, but it was great.
8: That's great. Whatever you get is wonderful. Like, it does, like I said, you get a pink elephant, it doesn't matter. Okay,
5: right. I owe you another break here, Dan. Thank Heather you. and Coburg, thank you. Do you have an okay? So she's basically named the hidden target, hasn't she, or what she thinks it is, or is that just well, an impression?
8: that's her impression. Again, it's her assumption.
5: Okay, Let, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Can we? Can I take a shot at uh, basically saying what I think it is?
8: I'd like to. Can you get another caller in? I'd like to get some more information from people. Is uh, that if, possible if time if we permits? Time.
5: We, if time permits. If
8: not, we can just go ahead and do it.
5: Okay. All right. Yes, again, if you've, uh, if you've gotten some impressions as a remote viewer at home, 416-360-0740, 866-740-4740. I will reveal when we come back what I think the hidden target is here on The
0: Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
5: My name is Richard Serrett. Yes, I have taken a remote viewing course, but do not call me or email me asking for the winning lottery numbers, <laughs> of the price of gold. I will not, uh, well, we're going to see in a few minutes how I made out, but I, I've given, I've handed my notes over to Joanne. You know, there, I did a little bit of, um, what do you call it, analytic overlay, to be sure, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when I saw this white, Metal object. I said, "Oh, that's a that's a a chest freezer." And Joanne says, "Well, be careful. You know, you're you're overanalyzing it. What is it essentially? It's a white metal box. That's, right. that's what I saw. That's right. And then I saw this periscope sticking up out of the ice. Well, no, wait a minute. No, what I saw mm-hmm. was some black cylindrical object sticking up out of a white surface. Which that's I right. I interpreted that or that's interpreted right. that to be a periscope sticking up out of the ice. Exactly. You now, just hold on, Mister Remote Viewer. You know, <laughs> this isn't uh uh. What was that movie with the Sean Connery uh, on the submarine, the Russian submarine? Uh, the uh, Tom Red Clancy. October? No. Red October, yeah. This uh-huh. is the hunt for Red October, <laughs> you know. All right. Uh, let's say hello to Judy in Toronto. Hello, Judy. Hi. Hi. Are you doing a little remote viewing at home?
9: Yes, I am.
5: Did you get some impressions?
9: Yes, I did.
5: Okay. What did you get?
9: Um, I, at first I felt very, very hot, and then uh, um, I saw a, a yellow tulip.
5: A yellow tulip. <laughs> All right.
9: Then um, then I saw um, um, like a green, like a box, like a tank. And, uh, and um, what is that thing that comes out of a tank, like the gun? A turret? The gun, a gun turret? The gun, yeah. Yes. And I saw a star. And then I saw crocuses. Interesting. <laughs> and I... Well, I, I analyzed everything that I saw and I'm thinking that this is a photograph of a tank in the desert. Interesting. Which Did we're not supposed to do, right? We're not supposed to analyze it.
8: No, you're not supposed
9: very, to very, very hard not to do that.
8: And then you had tulips and crocuses in the desert, that kinda of is funny too. I know,
9: it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> but it's hot. It's interesting. Hmm. And I and I saw a star and What well, kind of um, a star
8: though? Describe the star. What is it? Up in the air? You mean like up in the sky or? On a house? Oh, you don't have... Okay.
9: Okay,
5: we, we're going to have to... Uh, uh, Judy, some, thank you. for some
9: people.
8: Some people. Oh, and people. Or right. life
5: forms, Judy. Life, life forms. We don't know if they're people. <laughs> okay. We, <laughs> That's uh, great. Judy, thank you for that. We got some impressions there. Alright. So, what did you make of all this, Joanne, in the time that remains? Well,
8: I think it's interesting. Uh, some of that might be there. What Heather called in uh, the description, not the Knights of the Round Table part of it, but the dark wood, possibly cedar smell, hard, soft, old Wood, that would definitely be there at the target.
5: And what about um, my rat's yours? maze, which substitutes for a brain? What do you what do you make of I that? I think
8: yours is really interesting. You have things. Let me give you some ideas of what might be there. Um, gray and white, cool, smooth. Greenish light, but maybe not a light, but there's some definitely green there. There could mm-hmm. be definitely a draft there. What's that word there? Is that a hum?
5: Hum, hum. yes, I heard a hum.
8: I think so. Um I'm not sure about the fresh concrete, but there's probably concrete there.
5: That's, I'm smelling the, concrete. You're
8: smelling concrete. It's not funny. Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of a musty smell. I yeah. suppose you could smell concrete even if it wasn't exactly. fresh concrete. Okay.
8: And uh, underground, indoor, dark, black. Uh, you have some smooth glass. Maybe that could be something else, but the smooth, rough texture of a concrete wall is there. You have a person with a lab coat, but the lab coat could be something else. Could be. Could be a, a jacket of some kind. Yes. You're calling it a lab coat. Yes, that's my the analytical overlay. white hair, overlay. sure, exactly. The war room. What made you think it's a war room, physically, or did you feel the war room? Uh, again, I mean? it's
5: analytic overlay, I think. Yeah. I saw people hunched over a table. Oh, okay, I saw radar. Yeah, 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 yeah.
8: So you assumed it was a war room. Could underground be bunker, yeah. It could be it meditating, could be. whatever. Maps definitely uh, would be there. What does that say, radar, and that says what, Blue.
5: Uh, radar and then uh, eyes, blue eyes, blue eyes. Blue That's what you eyes, said. Yes. You saw
8: blue eyes. That could certainly be there. I'm not sure what kind of hair. Elderly, you said. An
5: elderly person. Okay, A great. male. And you life form. said white. a life form.
8: Yes, yes, male. Um, then you had a glass top, cool, transparent. There could definitely be something that might look like glass. Like for example, Heather from Coburg got a table too, but she saw wood. Okay. You saw glass. All right. So whatever you're. We, we better we rip, rip it open. Up. Okay, okay, hurry.
5: I know it. I was in an underground I'm lair in Area 51.
8: <laughs> I nailed
5: it! I nailed it! See,
8: everyone always wants to guess and it's so funny. You're always, always wrong. <laughs> I always laugh at Okay, that. here, we here we go. Ready? No drum
5: roll, but anyway.
8: Alright. I'll show it to you. Ready? Okay. Ready?
5: Machu Picchu in Peru. Wow! That's not interesting.
8: Yeah. Now look well, what's it is there. A structure. A look a structure. Look at the concrete.
5: Oh, well, stone. Certainly yeah. stone.
8: Look at the draft. It's 8,000 feet above sea level. It's drafty.
5: Interesting. Okay.
8: Lab coat could be a coat because it's cold. Like, cool. It could be yes. cool there. I'm just, yes. you know, assuming. Okay.
5: It's definitely, um, I got the man-made structure, yeah. the smooth, the rough, And look at your,
8: your ideogram had some bumpiness to it. Where the heck's the ideogram? Hold on. Let me just grab that. Look at your ideogram. It was really kind of like...
5: Hilly mountains. Up and down, right. Okay, interesting. Because
8: sometimes your ideogram reflects the target. Oh, I you're not see. Not always. See that? But you're like all over the place.
5: Okay, Machu Picchu for those uh, playing at home. Well, listen, we'll do this again. Good uh, job.
8: See the old hard, old wood. Yes. That's definitely there.
5: There's old wood in Machu Picchu. Well, the trees. The trees. Okay. Right? The listen. Uh, okay, as we go out, my thanks uh, to uh, Dan Ellison, Joanne Crowbot. You're offering a remote viewing course. April the 16th and the 17th. That's an intensive Saturday-Sunday. How do they uh, get in touch?
8: They can call me at uh, 647-235-4986. The number's also on the website, knowledgeworksglobal.com.
5: knowledgeworksglobal.com. knowledgeworksglobal.com. I'll post, uh, I've linked up to Joanne's website. On uh, my site at com, and uh, tomorrow I'll also post those numbers again. That's a remote viewing course, April 16th and 17th. If you've got a whole weekend, this would be a great uh, way to spend it. 647 235 4986. Thank you for this.
8: Thank you. Thank you. Very it exciting. wasn't an
5: underground lair at Area 51, <laughs> it was Machu Picchu.
8: And Judy got hot.
5: She hot did. There. She did. All right. Well. I may, have, I may have to register for that course. Uh, back next week, Roseanne, Ro- Rosemary Ellen Guiley, rather. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be back with another uh, paranormal experiment, and I uh, will also talk about the Mayan calendar. Was it constructed by aliens? In the meantime, don't be afraid. Nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light, which you hear in whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move
0: over Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.